Howdy folks, you're listening to Smarticus Tells History, the podcast where we discuss some of the wacky and crazy stories your friends may have told you. So sit down, have a beer or two, and let's learn a thing or two. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Smarticus. This week, we have another story that you may have heard of. Our medical advances in technology have really done wonders for the human race. Countless lives have been saved because of these advances. Knowing what ailments are harming the human body allows us to give proper care and medications for those suffering. Sometimes, it is a necessity that we often take for granted and don't really think about what would have happened if that treatment wasn't possible. Things such as distinguishing between someone being alive or dead should seem pretty straightforward. You check for a pulse, and if no pulse, well then they must be dead. But how about the physicians from the early 18th and even 19th century? How did they proclaim someone dead? We know now that if a person's heart seems to have stopped, or they appear to have stopped breathing, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are dead right away. We have computers and other tests to verify when exactly a person is no more. The physicians of the early 18th and 19th centuries relied upon the old mirror and fug check, a new term I recently picked up myself. Fug, F-U-G, is the moisture that accumulates on the mirror when breathed upon, a.k.a condensation. They also use the method of smell and touch being the most standard. If you stink and can't be roused, well then you must be dead. Which, in all fairness, is probably understandable. Because of these old and rudimentary methods, it was not uncommon for people to be prematurely buried. In fact, it happened so much that it was a common fear called taphophobia, the fear of being buried alive. There's a story about a woman by the name of Countess Emma from Mount Edgecombe family. Emma was married to the very wealthy Earl of Mount Edgecombe in 1761. When she was pronounced dead, she was buried with a valuable ring. There was a sexton who often spied on the family and had done so during the burial of Emma. He noticed the ring on her finger and decided that he would later return to grave rob that ring. Well, he was in for a nasty surprise when he went to go grab that ring and the countess awoke. She was confused when she woke in her burial shroud, understandably. Of course, the sexton was also understandably frightened to his wit's end at her sudden awakening. He ran away and was never heard from again. The countess traveled a mile-long trip back to her estate and shocked everyone whom thought she was dead. To this day, on the grounds of the Edgecombe State, there is a pathway that commemorates her trek. She met her real death in 1807. There are many similar stories that follow along these lines which brought on the invention of the safety coffin. The safety coffin itself has numerous different styles that would allow the assumed deceased to notify the living that they are also still in fact alive. The most common some of you may have heard of is the piece of rope that ran down through and inside the coffin that had a bell attached to the end. Should the recently deceased suddenly find themselves buried alive, they would simply pull the string and it would ring a bell that was mounted on the surface to a wooden stake. This would alert the security watchman or any passersby that they needed help. Many other methods including feeding tubes, cotton padding, and different variations of the rope and bell method. Some even included an escape hatch. The downside was that most of the inventions did not include a way of getting breathable air into the coffins, so they would die anyways. 
There is a particular story from 1791 that was about Robert Robinson and a new prototype safety coffin. He had been buried in a mausoleum and had a special door attached that could be opened by a watchman on duty. Inside the coffin was a glass door that could be removed. Apparently, Robinson had requested that his family periodically check on that glass inserted in the coffin to check for fog or condensation that may appear from his breath. If there was indeed evidence of breathing, well, then he was to be removed immediately. The first true safety coffin that was recorded was for Duke Ferdinand of Brunswick. His coffin did include an air tube, a lock to the coffin lid with a key that he kept in his pocket, and a window to allow light in. It wasn't until 1892 that the bell and rope method was actually brought into popular use. As mentioned previously, the bell would ring and the watchman would start the process of excavation. This method did, however, have its faults. As most of us know, the process of decay involves the body swelling from gas buildup, bugs feeding off corpses, and various other reasons. This process would often give false alerts and ring the bell. Despite the popular uses of the safety coffins, there's no records that they actually helped anybody. Now you may think that with all of our medical advances that there was no way that someone could be buried alive today. Well, that's true in part. Although it is extremely rare nowadays, it does actually still happen. Not necessarily buried alive part, but proclamation of death. In 2011 in Russia, a woman had collapsed in her home of a heart attack. She was pronounced dead, and a few days later, lying in her casket at a funeral, she woke up. She saw the gathered crowd mourning and praying for her. She quickly realized what was happening and apparently began yelling at everyone. She was then rushed to the hospital and reportedly lived for 12 more minutes in intensive care before she died a second time. For good. The cause of death? Still heart failure. Another story was on February 26, 2014. A man named Walter Williams in Mississippi was also mistaken for dead. He was pronounced dead that day. His body taken to a funeral home in a body bag. When he was taken to the embalming room, his legs began to move. The coroner noticed him ever so slightly breathing. Turned out he was still alive. However, although it was longer than the Russian woman... He too passed away for good. A whole two weeks later, in fact. Well, folks, that's all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed another one of our short little segments here. And hopefully I'll see you back next week. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And if you have heard any wacky and crazy stories that you want told here, you can go to our Facebook page at Smarticus Tales History and leave a comment. Now, with that being said, I'll see you next time. And you guys have a wonderful, fantastic, and awesome day. Bye now.